What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that if you listen to this podcast and you take action from it, this year you could save $12,000. That's right. You don't have to do anything crazy. You don't even have to work for it. If you listen to this podcast and you do what we talk about in it, and I'm talking about some easy stuff, you will have $12,000 American dollars in your pocket next year that you didn't have in your pocket this year. If that isn't a big enough deal to have you listen to this podcast, you can unsubscribe. This episode is with James Maskell, who is the founder of New Health. That's K-N-E-W Health. James is doing some of the most important work American medicine has ever seen. If he's successful, which he is already showing signs that he is going to be, the way that James is shaping the future of American healthcare will save billions of dollars for the country and thousands of dollars a year for you, tens of thousands of dollars a year. You need to listen to this episode. It is the most important episode that we have ever recorded. It's 40 plus minutes long, and it could have been three hours if he didn't have somewhere he needed to go. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how important this episode is. Please listen to it. Please share it with as many people as you can. This episode needs to get out there. People need to know what's going on at New Health, and people need to know how things work when they go to a doctor. When you go to a doctor and you think that your insurance company is paying the doctor so that you can be taken care of, what you're actually not understanding is how the, econ- the economics of healthcare work, and they're screwing you most of the time. There is no always, but you're probably getting screwed. The average family of four for a crap insurance plan in the United States today are going to be paying $15 to $1,600 per month. Work that out for the course of a year. That's $18,000 for a plan that probably has a five to $10,000 deductible before the insurance company will start paying into your health. What that means is, and you know, because you're on it, but what it means is that when you go to the doctor's office and you give them your insurance card, they're going to go ahead and say, okay, we're going to see what the insurance is going to pay us for this and pass the difference on to you. You have a $5,000 deductible and you haven't gone to the doctor yet this year, or you haven't had surgery because who's reaching a $5,000 deductible if you don't have major medications you need to be on. What's happening is you're going to the doctor and they're billing, they're billing you for what the lab costs are at full price because the lab is charging the insurance company full price. The insurance company is saying, well, John Smith hasn't met his deductible yet. So this is actually not our responsibility. It's his. Yeah, we'll take it off of our our deductible for the year, but that $700 bill, send that to John Smith. And now you are the one who's going to be paying the $700. Did you know if you went to the lab directly, you can get that same work done for under 100 Yeah, that's a big deal. And if you're thinking that that's how you're going to save $12,000 this year, you're wrong. It's not even that. 
it's there are such simple ways for you guys to navigate the healthcare system in a way that is just made convoluted, made difficult for you in part on purpose, but I, I prefer to look at it from a an organizational perspective that it's just, it's happened by chance. And, and one thing led to the other. The type of system that we have is built for the type of problems that we used to have. And our problems as a society are changing, but the healthcare system is not. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, politics, healthcare, I don't really care. Just tell me what I need to do. You don't want to take action. It's like, this is boring. What change can I really make? I'm not exaggerating when I tell you. When you listen to this episode, if you're somebody who is a, if you're a family of four paying $1,600 plus per month for your health insurance and you don't have any major pre existing conditions on your family's docket, you can save. $12,000 a year starting today. It'll take you about a half an hour. That's a phenomenal billable rate. Do it. Listen to this episode. Share it with your friends. It's too important to be missed. Now, before I let you get to James, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to make you 12000 bucks in the next 45 minutes. The least you can do is head to iTunes, head to Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review because you love us. Leave a comment in the rating because we want to hear what you love about us. You know, we need a little dopamine hit. I want to feel good about myself. Plus, that's how people are going to find us. We don't charge you for the podcast, you know, and it's... It's not free to produce, but we want to continue to put this information out there. It's a way for us to be in contact with you guys on a regular basis. You need to tell your friends about it because we need to talk to your friends and we can't get to them without you. So comment in your review, leave a five-star review, share this with as many friends as you think would be valuable. If you don't know how to share, I'm going to give you a quick tutorial. All you need to do is go to your iTunes page. Okay, I'm pulling up my phone right now. You click podcasts and I'm talking about iTunes because it's the one that most of you are going to be using. But you go to the podcast you want to listen to. You click it. You push the little, the, 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 there's a purple circle to the right that has three dots in it. Click that circle. There's a button there that says share episode. You click share episode. The next thing that's going to pop up is options. How do you want to share it? You can copy the link. And you can then paste that link into text messages, or you can click message right there on your screen and share it with as many people as you want. Do me the favor, get this out there. No further waiting. Get ready for your world to change. Here we go, guys. James Maskell from New Health. I'm telling you, it's going to rock your world. All right, James Maskell, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Great to be here with you, Doc. Um, I think that the stuff that you're doing is more important than any of the other guests that we've ever had on the show. And that's not to knock any of the other guests that we've had on the show. Everything that everyone on the show has ever done is important. But what you're doing has the opportunity to impact people in a way that solves such huge problems that they don't even know exist right now. So would you mind just giving a brief introduction as to who you are and what you're all about so the guests know? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. You know, what a, a lovely thing to say. Um, yeah, so 
as you can probably tell from my accent, I was born in Loveland, Colorado um, in 1980. And uh, I grew up in England. And uh, I, yeah, I was the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. I had a chiropractor and I had like a naturopath. And I didn't really realize that that was weird until I got to school and realized that no one knew what a chiropractor was. And, um, you know, then I was the only kid in school whose mom insisted on not being given antibiotics at a drop of a hat. And so it was kind of weird for me growing up to realize that my mom, with no medical credentials at all, had actually predicted the downside of overuse of antibiotics by 30 years. So that was always sort of intriguing to me and in the back of my mind. Then I had a rebellious phase and I thought I needed to be an investment banker. And it lasted about six months before I realized, you know, I was playing for the wrong team and there was definitely work to be done. Um, in particularly in medicine, my degree had been in health economics and I'd seen, you know, really just the, the vast uh, issue in American medicine, the terrible return on investment that America was getting from just the highest health expenditures in the world. And I just sort of had an inkling that something in my, you know, my uh, background or my, you know, upbringing could be some sort of solution to that problem. And so 12 years ago, I moved to America. I worked in a clinic uh, in Georgia that was, you know, still to this day, probably the best run medical clinic I've ever been part of. Um, it was like integrated medicine in a spa environment. Then I was working with doctors like you directly, you know, working with integrative doctors and functional. That's when I found out about functional medicine. Um, I had a, some businesses helping doctors <clears throat> build successful uh, functional medicine practices. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, about four years ago, we started, uh, you know, a, a new kind of a conference, kind of medutainment show called the Functional Forum. And it was essentially what our goal was, was to rapidly reduce the barriers to entry to doctors to find out about functional medicine. And so over the last four years, we've grown the show. We've grown the number of meetups of physician meetups around the country. And, um, you know, we're just launching now a new program to be able to you know, bring functional medicine to the masses, bring it to everyone, not just the very rich and the very sick, but to, you know, the kind of normal ways in which people are getting healthcare through insurance, through employers. And, um, you know, that business is called New Health. And so we've been on a, a journey to really build the new system that makes the existing system obsolete. That's my favorite Bucky Fuller quote. And I think there's no better time than now and no better place than medicine to be able to uh, build that new system. Well, I appreciate that, and I I relate to that in such a deep way because of you know what we do. I don't know how much you know about what we do, but we're essentially looking at the the model that exists right now for patients going to see a physical therapist or a chiropractor in clinic and saying that's unnecessary. A lot of that is wasteful. If you're teaching somebody how to exercise, there's no reason that they have to come to your facility to exercise three times a week, drive 20 minutes, wait 20 minutes be seen by the athletic trainer, pay a $50 copay three times a week for exercises that they could be doing in their homes. So we're essentially looking to replace that with what we do, um, especially for active populations who are comfortable in the gym. So similar to what you said, the new system that makes the old system obsolete, we're, we're on the same, the same wavelength, just in a very different world. So I have some questions for you that, that I think need to be unpacked from what you just said in your introduction. And the first one is, why do you care about improving medicine, right? I mean, I mean, you, you're obviously a smart person. You had a job at an investment bank, which I imagine was already or in time would be paying you better than what healthcare did for the last 14 years. 
So what made Definitely. you? What, right. So so why do you care? Why is it a big deal to you? You're you're not you're not a doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I had a I had a transformational I guess moment of uh, of clarity when I was an, a banker, and it was really to do actually with with not just healthcare, but but you know what is it, what would it take for mankind to live sustainably on the planet? And if you if you agree with Einstein, you think that you know problems can't be solved at the same level of consciousness that they're created. You know, ultimately, your only conclusion that can come from that is that we need to have some sort of way of you know raising consciousness in a sustainable predictable way and i heard this incredible definition of of consciousness raising which was people taking action from a new story and i really love that definition i thought you know in nowhere else it, do you have the opportunity to be able to engage people into a new story about themselves and help them to take action from that new story, see that new story sort of uh, reap its rewards in terms of their own empowerment and how they feel, and then to sort of kickstart that into communities as people start to tell other people. So, you know, and I also saw that when you have an interaction with a provider like yourself or, you know, a functional medicine doctor or any sort of person in, the, um, in, our, in our space, it's ultimately a very empowering um, intervention or empowering connection because not only do they, you know, is are you convinced that you have a lot more power to heal yourself than you think, but ultimately, you know, that provider sees you as capable. And, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, need that. So it's actually the solution to a much bigger problem, which is, you know, the survival of the species, not to put too fine a point on it. But I had a, I had a moment of clarity when I was uh, working at the bank and I, you know, I just, I, I felt compelled to pursue that. And, you know, as we've started to have more success and, and the trajectory of our work has, has grown, you know, particularly in the last four years, I've sort of found myself in this, wave of serendipity where the right people keep showing up at the right time uh, to take the mission forward. And so I can't stop now. Well, I think that that's extremely commendable. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of people out there who would want the job in the investment bank that has the seven, the 10, you know, I mean, sorry, not the 10, the seven, the eight figure annual salary prospects and say this the hell with the human race. Someone else will figure it out. I need to make my money right now. So I give you a lot of credit for making the decision that there's something wrong and that you need to be the one who steps in and solves the problem. Well, I'll tell you this, that all those people who want that also happen to hate their job. And that's what I learned, right? Is that it looks cool on the movies, but my actually on my... Um, one of the, the moments that contributed to it is that my mentor had his like uh, leaving dinner during my my segment there. And, you know, as the British do, everyone was absolutely wasted. And he sort of confided in me later on in the night. He just said, get out. Like, don't do this. I've been here for 30 years and I've sat on the same desk for 30 years. Like, do something more interesting with your life. So I was like, okay, thanks, mentor. I'm off. <laughs> That's a great story. That's very cool. Um, I was actually in a, in a, in the position to, I was offered a job in investment banking right before I opened my clinic, right before I took out loans to open my clinic in my office and my gym, I was offered a job to be an investment banker in, in, uh, in Asia and I turned it down. So I, I get it. It sitting yeah. at that desk isn't interesting. But now, so another thing you talked about was integrated medicine and functional medicine. And we tried this podcast once before and I had some technical issues on my side and you'd already started explaining it. So integrative medicine is just the idea that the chiropractor who doesn't just adjust your neck. He's going to do nutritional consultations. He's going to talk about your lifestyle, 
things like that incorporate other parts of opportunities there for them, correct? I mean, this is the way that I see it. And as someone who's like not a physician or whatever, anyone can disagree with me, but I see integrative as essentially, you know, integrating things that are standard of care, non-standard of care. You could have the example that you just gave, but like a psychiatrist who uses medication and mindfulness could also be integrative psychiatry. Um, functional medicine is a sort of, I think, a... a um, let's say a sort of a subsection of integrative medicine where, you know, where the, uh, where there's a very specific operating system. You know, one of the things about integrative medicine is that everyone does it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, the early years of it was sort of like an art and a science. And so, you know, everyone's got their own sort of unique way of doing it, unique combination of modalities, unique intake form, unique testing protocol. And I, what I saw with that is that it's cool but it's just not scalable. And, you know, I think I asked the question before anyone else is like, if we really believe that this kind of care is the future of chronic disease management and we were to start acting like it, what would we do? And one of the things that we would do is to create a structure that's scalable so that we could train 100,000 doctors. So functional medicine is a specific operating system of integrated medicine where everyone's doing the same intake and the same structure. And now you're, you're talking mostly, in, in your case, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, about medical doctors. And one of the things that we think about in functional medicine that, that you hit on was they don't just come to you and say, okay, you have diabetes, here's your insulin. You know, this is, this is the solution to your symptom set. They would look at your lifestyle and they would start at the very beginning and say, you have these measurements because of the way that you're eating, because of your lack of exercise and attack it from there. Is that correct? Yeah, so let me let me sort of break down why that happens and why it's not surprising and why it's not bad. It just it's just it's a function of you know medicine that conventional medicine was created and structured and organized in a time where the dominant type of diseases were acute diseases, right? So infections and trauma. And in that kind of disease in that in the in that era what you needed in order to be able to, you know, in order to, to deal with that is you needed someone, typically the person with the greatest diagnostic capability, which is typically the doctor, to come in and say, this is the problem, to give the diagnosis. Because then once you have the diagnosis, the system can kick in, right? You can give the drug that's associated with the diagnosis. You can, you know, make a recommendation of a treatment. And in an acute situation, that makes perfect sense, right? That is the way that you want to do it. However, in that example with type, type 2 diabetes, what's less important is the diagnosis, the name of what you have, and what's more important is the prognosis, where you go from here. And so, you know, what we see is that in, in, in what we'll see in the next 10 years, I feel 100% sure, is that, you know, those diseases that are caused by a long period of time, you know, things breaking down, function decreasing, so let's say type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all the autoimmune diseases or most of the autoimmune diseases, you know, those ones, the operating system of care has to be more proactive, has to be less reactive and has to be able to deal with the underlying cause of dysfunction. Because, you know, just to say that again, with type 2 diabetes, it could be eating McDonald's for 10 years that gives you type 2 diabetes, but it could also be living in an unbelievably polluted environment right? Where the insulin receptors um, become dysfunctional because of that environment. And therefore you, you know, you get the dysfunction that comes over time from that cause. 
And so ultimately, you know, the, the way that I like to think about functional medicine and the, the phraseology that has resonated with most people is this idea of root cause resolution. How do you find the root cause of the disease? And then how do you deal with that root cause of the disease? And typically dealing with it means, you know, affecting the behaviors of the patient. Because again, you know, the, the old medicine, the conventional medicine was doctor centric, right? So that's why the doctor uh, is in control. The doctor's got the drugs, the doctor does the surgery. In the new medicine, the patient's in control. And that's why we have to empower the patient to participate in their care. And that's really the, you know, the focus of, of functional medicine, of new medicine and, and uh, you know, whatever, you know, most of the names that you've heard of uh, typically have those kind of things in common. Root cause, patient engaged into the process, less of a focus on diagnosis and more of a focus on prognosis. So to me, this, this sounds awesome, right? The idea of, for me to be able to go to a medical doctor again, who doesn't treat in this way is, is now completely uninspiring. But I also feel like I have a certain level of education that maybe a lot of people don't have. I have my doctorate. I've gone to, med, you know, to undergrad. I have a bachelor's. How do we solve for the education gap that exists in, in the patient who's not looking for the functional doctor, the patient who doesn't know that there's an, there's an alternative to here's your insulin pump? That's a great question. And obviously that's the, the, you know, the trillion dollar question, not the million dollar question, but like it has been estimated uh, that, you know, if you could get people to engage with their health early and avoid this, it would save a trillion dollars. So it's really the trillion dollar question. Um, here's the thing. A fun, someone who makes their way into a functional medicine practice has self-selected themselves about a hundred times to get there. Yeah. They've said, I can do it differently. And then they got to find the person and then they got to choose to pay cash to do it and all these kind of things. The solution to me is to meet people where they are right now. And where they are right now is working in businesses where the employers pay the healthcare claims. It's, you know, they've got health insurance that's paying out for these drugs and surgeries that they're using. That is, you know, where I think that we can go upstream in terms of the payer system and go and grab these people. Because ultimately, you know, the um, companies have the biggest incentive to keep their workforces healthy because essentially their healthcare costs really, you know, just take straight from the bottom line. And so I think that's going to be the next access point. And that's why we're really focused on new health is to be able to work with companies that are paying, you know, large bills where essentially 5% of their population, you know, end up costing 50% of, of the, all the costs and work with those, you know, those 5% uh, to be able to reduce healthcare costs, show the value of functional medicine to an employer, and then be able to, you know, to work uh, wider. So employers, insurance, and then, you know, also we need to find ways to, you know, make this more cost effective. I mean, functional medicine is incredibly cost effective. The illusion of expense is created by the fact that you have to pay cash for it, mm -hmm. right? Every, every, every other kind of medicine is behind this sort of like opaque third party payer system where someone else is paying the bill and no one really knows what anything costs. And so, but there is a trend and it's continuing under, you know, the Trump presidency is, is, you know, for more and more medicine to show their prices more, more clearly, because now there's kind of competition coming in is, should I go to this MRI or this MRI? Well, I can look up and see what one costs if I pay cash. So, you know, we're building on the trend of like a desire for functional medicine, 
a desire of people to want to connect their wellness world and their medicine world in a way that has not been connected. And also, you know, most people have an intuitive sense that this isn't the best way to work with their health, you know, and, and only a certain number of people are sort of like uh, anti-establishment enough to sort of go, you know, this can't be right. I've been taking this drug for 10 years and it doesn't seem to be getting better. Like ultimately, I think there's more and more people who are sort of starting to say, I don't, you know, I've seen enough examples in my community of other people getting themselves better through taking proactive steps with what they eat and how they exercise and how they deal with their stress and, you know, all of that and how they sleep. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it too. And there's a functional medicine doctor in every city. Now we just did this series called um, success leaves clues for our doctor population. In the last series, I interviewed a doctor in Alaska, Idaho, Alabama, rural Wisconsin, rural Illinois, you know, so this is happening all across the country. And one of the things that we, you know, saw four years ago is that the quickest way for functional medicine to spread was not waiting for hospitals to do it by empowering doctors to empowering doctors to build their own, you know, small practice in these towns. And I have to say four years into it, it's, it's working. So, to go back to getting to the employer, are you looking to find functional medicine doctors and introduce them to these employers and say, hey, this person will be able to save you guys on cost because they're going to get to the root cause of your patients, of your, of your uh, workforce's issues? Is that, is that kind of the step you're taking? Similar, but not. Like a few years ago, we tried that. And what we realized is that the average doctor is not well uh, positioned to be able to interact with an employer. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, and you know, my experience is that 95% of functional medicine doctors are not tracking their outcomes in any meaningful way. And when I say meaningful way, I'm talking about if all the information of your incredible disease reversal is sitting on a piece of paper in your practice in a file <laughs> somewhere, it's not good enough. Right. It's not, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to convince the HR person that this is going to work. So in a slight, we tried it two years ago and we found that it didn't work for that reason and a couple of other reasons. And so now the whole point of new health is that we organize everything in the right way so that we can work with employers. So one, we have a completely um, organized data system to be able to track all the outcomes of all the interventions. So that's the first thing. Second, you know, we realized that, you know, if you get patients doing the behaviors right, then typically they don't need the doctor so much. You know, I don't know if you found that, but if you get someone who comes in and you say, do this, this, and this, and they go and do it, guess what happens? They get well really quickly and they don't need a lot of fancy tests. They don't need a lot of time with specialists. They're just like empowered to be their best self and they're getting better. And so what by combining the technology platform and the first layer of care to be not the doctor, but the health coach, who, by the way, is like 10 times less costly than the doctor and probably more effective at changing behavior because that's all they're trained in. You know, that's we feel that the health coach is the most efficient person to stick at the front. You know, going back to my last point in the era of acute disease, the doctor was the most important person to stick as the first, you know, first person in a situation where you have a chronic disease like type two diabetes, where you're not going to die from it in the next five years, you've already had it for five years. The next worst thing that's going to happen is in 10 years, your leg might fall off from a diabetic neuropathy, but ultimately you're good. Like 
the doctor is not necessary at that point. You know, the, if you can get them in touch with a health coach who under the guide, you know, our health coaches are all supervised by doctors to make sure that we don't miss someone who's acutely ill and, you know, we have a problem. So they're doctor supervised, but ultimately they're the ones who are going to facilitate the behavior change. And so we believe that the new healthcare system, you know, will, will put the functional medicine health coach at the front of the, at the, at the front of the queue and the doctor further back and to be you know the, the other thing is sean is that there's not an unlimited number of functional doctors and most of the ones that i know who are good are unbelievably busy because the demand for this is is massive right the demand and the supply is massive like you think every book that's been written by a best-selling functional medicine doctor in the last 10 years every summit that's been put on like people are finding out that this approach exists and so it's you know the demand has risen a lot more quickly than the supply of doctors who have gone through the training to become functional medicine doctors. And so, you know, we're at this moment where there's just not unlimited capacity in the system for doctors. And what we found is that by pairing doctors with these health coaches, you can increase the capacity by about 10 times. So I think it's a complete no brainer for somebody who's looking to find a doctor that they would start with a functional medicine doc. But I haven't actually heard myself of health coaches. So where does somebody go about trying to find a health coach or a functional medicine doctor? How do they find one? You just go to the computer and you go www.newhealth.com. That's new with a K, K-N-E-W health.com and put in your details. I mean, I literally, I don't think the average health coach is the, is the solution because there's like a hundred thousand health coaches. Of course. Not all of them are, you know, ready, none of, you know, only about, 5% of them are trained in the functional medicine operating system. Like the key, the key to my vision for the future of medicine is a common language between all of the participants, the doctors, the coaches, and the patients. Everyone has to speak the same language. And we believe that the most likely language at this moment is functional medicine because it's designed for chronic disease. And so we staff, our health coaches are trained in the functional medicine operating system. So they help people to implement the functional medicine lifestyle, right? So they're helping deliver the lifestyle. Everyone has in their mind a list of things that they know that they should be doing that they're not doing. So we just help them to do those things, eat better, sleep earlier, better sleep hygiene, exercise regularly, eat cleaner, like all of that stuff. And what we find is that when people get that and do that, they, they get better. And if they need to be kicked up to a doctor, we've already done the intaking in a way that minimizes the amount of time that you have to spend with a doctor, which if you're in the business of trying to save money is a, is a real consideration. Right. That, that's a beautiful system. And I can't even begin to tell you how much it parallels what we're trying to do in the musculoskeletal healthcare place. Cause we look at strength coaches and, you know, fitness coaches as a huge resource that are being underutilized because people go straight from their twisted ankle to their orthopedist. And it's, it's, it's a waste of the orthopedist time. It's a waste of the patient's time and the patient's money. And there's a coach who's sitting right there who, if educated properly, could intervene in, in a very appropriate and efficient manner for the client. Um, so I think that's so cool. I, I You know, this is why I, I think that what I said earlier on is so true. What you're doing, because what you're talking about, people die from. You know what I'm talking about? People are uncomfortable from and their, their lifestyle needs to change a little bit. But I think that the work you're doing is is extremely, extremely important. So are all the health coaches on New Health um, 
Are they all in that 5% or are some of them not even in that 5% yet? No, yeah, we, we exclusively um, hire from programs that have been teaching doctors, have been teaching health coaches, functional medicine, you know, for, you know, for the last few years. So there's a few of them. And, you know, that's what we started to really realize is that, you know, if the health coach is $30 an hour or whatever, and the doctor's $300 an hour, there's the differential in the cost. You know, the value, if you add functional medicine to the like skill set of the coach, you end up with what we think might be the most valuable provider in terms of like outcomes per dollar in the ecosystem. And so we want to put those people at the front. I think that's awesome. Now, if we go back to the education point for a second, when, when you're trying to get somebody in to see a functional medicine provider, somebody who, you know, if we stay on the type 2 diabetes, for example, because it's an example I think a lot of people can relate to, they probably know somebody who has it or they've at least heard about it. Um, I think a lot of these people don't know the difference between a lollipop or a cup of ice cream and a hamburger on a bun in the sense that, you know, the, the bun is sugar. I don't think that they understand how that breaks down. So... When you're working with a health coach, when you're working with a functional medicine doctor, are these people going to be able to provide that baseline education to somebody or are they just basically giving them the um, do this, don't do that approach? Yeah. So look, you know, for the last four years, we've had an opportunity. We've been, we've been helping functional medicine practices grow and thrive. That's been our business, right? Uh, through, you know, making the show and otherwise. And so we've been able to see like, what are the best models for delivering this kind of education and community? And so, you know, it's very clear that that education is needed, but it's also clear that talking to people one-on-one is not the best way of educating people right? People remember 5% of what you say. So, you know, if you go back in the early years of functional medicine, you go in and you spend a lot more time with the doctor, but all of that time is being used for them to tell you like a million things and you don't remember any of it. So our coaches end up being more like a curator where they're curating pre-existing resources. It could be videos, it could be blogs, it could be podcasts like this, you know, we can ask the patient or the member, you know, what's your way that you like to learn? Oh, I love listening to podcasts in my commute. Okay, well, here's the, you know, our favorite 10 episodes from these different podcasts that we've curated for you to listen to as part of your membership. So, you know, we're, we're facilitating the education with pre-existing content plus someone to ask questions. So then it's like, oh, I listened to that podcast. It was super interesting. By the way, are eggs dairy? You know, and then texting that to your coach and your coach is like, no, eggs aren't dairy. (laughs) You know, so, you know, that kind of interaction. So you do the majority of the heavy lifting of the education with resources that can, one, cost no dollars to deliver, right? You know, no one's paying to access these podcasts. And two, you know, if you you don't get it the first time, you can just rewind and listen to get, listen again which I'm sure for many people who are listening to this, where you've been in a doctor's office and they've just started talking at you, how much do you wish you had a rewind button where you could be like, I know he said something about like, you know, this, but I can't remember what he said. You can't even, you know, it's not even legal. I don't think to like record a doctor's visit. Right. So, so, you know, so we're just using technology that already exists and, you know, it's, it's, there's not, there's a number of innovators in the functional medicine space that have been using one, pre-existing content curated by the coach. And then secondly, the other thing is community, 
So what we've seen, you know, we've been building community for, for four years. We've built these communities of doctors. What we found is that, you know, if you really want to change behavior, for some people, content is enough. For other people, you need to create a community, basically a peer-to-peer interaction where people can support each other in implementing new behaviors. Because as you know, Doc, you know, if you if you find someone who's got type 2 diabetes, their whole family's got type 2 diabetes, and now you're saying to them, hey, you, if you want to get rid of this, you can. You can reverse it, but you've got to radically change your lifestyle. Unless the family and friends are brought in, that person is either one, going to fail, or B, be very isolated in their community because they can't go to the bar every Friday night and drink 3,000 calories worth of beer. Mm-hmm. They can't, you know, that these are things that they just can't do if they're trying to do it. So you need a new community. And so we've taught doctors to build these kind of community meetups, like, you know, cooking parties in people's homes where, you know, you, you um, batch cook all of your meals for the year for the week ahead because guess what people say oh I don't like cooking at home you have to cook at home if you want to be healthy you have to cook a decent amount at home so why not get together with four other families in a diff- in a house and in two hours batch cook all of your food for the next week you're going to be eating the same kind of thing as these other families you can split it up at the end you don't have to like cook every day you can just cook once a week you know we've seen innovation like that and we've gone okay. That's the future of medicine. Let's facilitate that. Let's grow it. Let's grow it. Let's spread it. Well, I think you're, to go back to what we discussed before, you're solving the education question by meeting people where they're at. You know, it's, it's I, I can think of, you know, my father-in-law, for example. He's a, he's a good guy. He wants to do well for himself. He wants to do well for his family. He has type 2 diabetes and he's been an ice cream man for a long time. So... You know, he's cut back on the ice cream. He's cut back on the sweets, but he still eats the five guys. He still eats the French fries. He still goes to McDonald's because he doesn't understand the difference. But it's for him, it's an example where I don't feel like he would isolate himself from his peer group if he got healthier. I think that he actually is isolated from his peer group because he doesn't. And I think that, um, well, actually, I want to ask your opinion. Do you think that the opposite isolation, the being on an island yourself where nobody around you understands or relates to what you're doing or, or empathizes with what you're doing. Do you think that that person has an equally difficult time changing their behavior because they feel like nobody understands them? I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, no, maybe. So, you know, in that situation, like my, my thought is, you know, the overall guiding principle is this idea of a therapeutic order where you use the minimum possible intervention to get the maximum possible output. So, you know, content, listening to a podcast costs nothing, totally repeatable, you know, and has certain value. Then you've got community. If you have a peer-to-peer group, like that typically doesn't cost anything and, you know, that can make a big difference. So then, you know, that's when you need a coach and a coach. And that's why we have that in you is to be able to support that, the lowest cost provider. So, you you know, you're working in there. But I, I... Maybe I think that, that that can be a problem, and maybe that's a problem in like New York or in LA. I think the majority of the problem is the opposite, just from mm-hmm. no, you know, I agree with you. living in Georgia, whatever. But sure. ultimately, I think that's probably where it's going to be. Okay. Um, now, a lot of people listen to this and they think to themselves, I'm already paying my family premium for the month of $1,500, $1,600 a month for the family in health insurance. And when I go to the doctor, it costs me 20 bucks to get my medication. 
you're telling me this is going to be less expensive, but they don't take the health insurance that I'm already paying for, and it's gonna cost me 50, 60, $75 out of pocket, maybe even $150 out of pocket, every visit when I go to see this functional medicine doctor. How is that less expensive? Can you explain that to people? Yeah, I can. Look, that's that's a, you know, that's a serious question that you're asking. So I've got a few different answers. So one, you know, give me a couple of years and we'll get there where like, you know, we can where we can actually offer a real alternative to the health insurance that people are getting now. I think that that's that's in our trajectory to have something where a normal person could be like, I'm going to pick this other thing that's functional medicine related and do it. It's not available right now. You know, yes. Um, can, you can, know, I, can I interrupt you for a second? Are you talking about creating your own third party payer system for functional medicine? Yes. Awesome. Go on. Okay, but I will tell you what it's based on, and then I'll tell you what I do, and then you, your people can listen to this and do it. So, and I have to go quickly here and tell you how this works. But a few years ago, when I was researching, you know, when everyone had to get health insurance under under price of penalty, because I didn't have health insurance up until that day, I'd never had it since I moved to America, um, because I was an independent contractor and I worked for myself. I found this thing called Liberty Health Share, and Liberty Health Share is essentially a um, it's a health ministry, and Liberty HealthShare uh, were one of four organizations when the ACA was created, the Affordable Care Act, to say, hey, we are a community. We already share our health costs amongst our 30,000 people, and we don't need to have health insurance because we share our costs and therefore are covered in, in case of an emergency. And the people who made the ACA said, okay, that's fair. Anyone who's a member of your organization doesn't have to have health insurance, doesn't have to comply with the ACA individual mandate. And so I'm a member of that. And I pay $4.49 a month for myself, given my income level and given my wife is of childbearing age. You know, the cheapest, crappiest health insurance in, you know, that I could get would be $1,600 a month, just like you said. <clears throat> so I'm saving $1,200 a month over what I would get with insurance that I would never use anyway. And, and so I'm saving $14,000 a year. That's cash back in my pocket that I can choose to use for a functional medicine doctor or other types of visits. So that's what I do. And literally any person can do that. And you can sign up for the, um, uh, you can sign up for Liberty Health Share on any day of the year, not with just within the enrollment window. You can stop paying your health care premiums any day you want. You can just cancel the card that is going out on, <laughs> stop the direct debit. You know, you may not get accepted into Liberty Health Share because they do have some things with pre-existing conditions because it's technically not insurance. So this is a hack that I found that I would recommend that everyone does. And I've recommended it to a lot of people and we've signed up over 20,000 people into Liberty Health Share. That's amazing. So that thing exists right now and you can sign up. What I'm going to make in the next year or two years is a version of that that's not run by Mennonites in Ohio on paper, but is a blockchain integrated solution where it's where anyone can start their own community and ultimately how costs are paid are... Um, decided by an evolving consensus of the group. And that is going to be essentially putting random people into structures that are like third-party um, self-funded employers, where there's everyone has an incentive to do that. What has to happen for that to work in America? It'll work in many other countries where, like, for instance, Egypt, 15% health insurance rate, 85% of people don't have health insurance in Egypt. 
But in America, what it's going to take for that to be able to work and for you able to do it is the end of the ACA. But I think what you'll see is that we'll be able to prove that this will be like a tenth of the cost of commercial insurance and there'll be a flood coming over and functional medicine will be the operating system of the whole care because we know that if you can keep people off the expensive drugs, the cost for everyone is essentially back to zero. And if you're in that position now and you don't feel like you can do it, if you go to the Liberty Health Share and you're like, I'm Jewish, I can't sign up for this Christian thing, <laughs> now, which has happened too. I've got a lot of Jewish friends. I lived in New York for a long time. You know, just know that like the best way to reduce your healthcare costs generally is to stay healthy. You know, you, you're going to have to pay that premium unless you get out of it. But ultimately, what you can't afford to do if you're on, like, say, a high deductible plan where your deductible is five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, what you can't afford to do is to get a lifestyle-driven chronic disease. And so, you know, staying healthy is even more important. Well, so, so Liberty HealthShare is something that one of my friends recently actually told me that him and his family are on. So I, w- I would like to, if you don't mind, spend a, just a minute or two on that so people listening can understand that they really don't have to pay $1,500, $1,600 a month. They can pay under $500 a month for their entire family of four. Yeah, it's one forty nine a month for individuals under thirty, one ninety nine a month for individuals over thirty, and for families um, over thirty, it's four forty nine a month. It hasn't gone up in five years. I've never used it. Like I've never. It's got a fifteen hundred deductible. My my family is very healthy. We use the annual checkup. You can do one annual checkup um, up to four hundred dollars that they'll reimburse you for. But we've never made a claim. I've got friends who have had acute things and have made a claim and be paid in, you know, in, in, in quick time. It's really a great thing. And many, you know, as I said, like two years ago, two and a half years ago, we did a, a summit where it was our only sponsor, not even a sponsor. We just had it as the like the equivalent of the sponsor. We signed up like 15 or 20,000 people. And guess what? There was an absolute rush for it this year in the window because people still think you can only sign up in the window. It's not true. You can sign up anytime. So that's my recommendation is cut your costs, sign up for that thing, create more disposable income that you can keep in a fund, put it into a you know health savings account so it's tax deductible, and then use that health savings account for supplements, functional medicine, and others. People right now who are listening to this are asking themselves, what's the downside? Ha- if it sounds too good to be true, it has to be too good to be true. So what what is the reason why they wouldn't want to do a health share as opposed to if you know if you have if you have a chronic condition today and your costs are more than you're paying for the price, like if you have to take an, uh, uh, a medication that's fifty thousand dollars a year, but your health insurance premium is only two thousand dollars a month or whatever. So you're like, you're one of the costly people. They're not going to let you in, right? That's the thing. They don't have to let everyone in. It's not insurance. So the rules of the ACA don't apply. Um, Downside, you know, you don't have a card that you can give to the, you know, to the doctor, but literally, I mean, Google it. The card is almost the worst thing to have. I'm just going to drop one more piece of knowledge on you here before. Your insurance card is not your friend, right? When you give your insurance card to a doctor and you have a high deductible plan, what you're essentially saying to the doctor and to the whole ecosystem is charge me retail, mm-hmm. right? Because the insurance, you know, the, the bill, you know, let's say you go in for lab tests, the doctor says you need this many labs. You give your card, the doctor then, um, you know, the, the, the labs send a bill to your insurance company and the insurance company at full price, the insurance company sends it back to you <clears> because you haven't got your deductible. So what do you do in that situation? You go directly to the lab 
and you pay in cash and you save 95% off retail because people don't know, but you can go, you don't need in 45 States. New York is not one of them, by the way, because New York sucks for lab testing, which you very much know. But in 45 States in America, <laughs> you can go straight to the lab. You can go straight to, you know, Quest or LabCorp via like one of these direct lab services, like principal labs, direct labs, and you can pay cents on the dollar. So, you know, you're, you're, you're in a lot of cases, your insurance card is not your friend because it's, it's just the default way that people have done things. But you know, what we're trying to create is smart people who know how to navigate the system and our health coaches, as well as being amazing health coaches or whatever, they are curators. And one of the courses that we have, you know, uh, for people to go through is essentially like, you know, how to how to how to make your way through the medical system without getting screwed by scams in every in every way. So I recommend go to newhealth.com. You'll see on there there's a thing called 10 ways to save money in Trump era healthcare, which you know Trump era just refers to the fact that like we've got the ACA right in now, but most people have the high plans. They don't know how to deal with the costs. And in that guidebook is just basically a whole list of ways on how to not pay full price for supplements, for drugs, how to get off drugs, how to keep yourself healthy, and how to navigate this, you know, scammy lab test system and all the things that go into the system that we have today. So last question about the health share. If you get sick while you're on it, can they kick you off? No. Awesome. Uh, James, I really appreciate your time today. This has been extremely helpful and I hope people take it to heart. Absolutely. It'd be great to be here with you. Thanks for sharing it. And, um, you know, let me know if, uh, if you guys have questions, head on over to New Health. You know, we've got a whole team there that can help you. We'd love to, to welcome you. And, uh, yeah, steer, get ready because later this year, we're going to be doing a 40-city tour where we're going to be going city to city, sharing the new studies from the Cleveland Clinic that show better outcomes at lower cost. We're going to be sharing the kind of knowledge that I shared with, with the masses uh, we're going to put on. And if, if your community and you get that excited about it, I think we could fill Madison Square Gardens. What do you think? I would listen. I, you please make sure I know about it. I will be there. All right. And I'll spread Thanks the word. Sure. Appreciate it. Thank you, James. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Active Life podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating so that we can grow and reach and help more people. If you're looking for more from me and my team, head to performancecarerx.com. All the help you're looking for is right there. Until next time, guys, I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, and the process is the goal.